Here it comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 51 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I host Bailey Spalding. Bailey is the co-founder and CEO of Jackalope Brewing Company in Nashville, Tennessee. Bailey was born and raised in Montpelier, Vermont, and graduated from Harvard University in 2004 with a degree in biological anthropology before moving to Nashville to attend Vanderbilt Law School in 2006. It was in law school that Bailey discovered the world of home brewing and found her passion for writing her own recipes. Upon graduating, she began working on Jackalope and opened the brewery in 2011. After outgrowing the original facility, Jackalope opened a second location, also in Nashville, in 2018. When not at Jackalope, Bailey spends her time with her husband, Luke, and baby girl, and their spotty dog. Hopefully, after listening to this episode, you will be inspired to follow your dreams and passions, regardless of what the normal might be. Also note, this conversation took place in September of 2020 during COVID. Make sure to stay tuned until the end as well to hear a little tune played by next week's guest, Mike Sill. Hello, Nashville. Today I am hanging out in uh, Wedgwood. Wedgwood, Wedgwood, yeah, yeah. Houston. Um, and you know, I haven't driven around this area a whole lot in recent to see because I know there's transition in every spot. But uh, I'm hanging out with uh, Bailey Spalding mm-hmm. uh, with Jackalope Brewing Company. Yeah. She is the uh, the founder, mm-hmm. owner, CEO, you know, all the, you know, every <laughs> Janitor, title. Janitor, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining me in Rambler today. Thank you. So tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's Bailey Spalding, uh, one of the founders of Jackalope Brewing Company. Uh, we opened in 2011, so we'll be coming up on our 10th birthday in May, and uh, it's just been a, a fun, fun ride. I bet. Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of got to be fun when beers and it helps. <laughs> it helps. It definitely helps. <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to worry about like you know you see the movies where they got the little something underneath their desk. You know, right. you're like, well, it's kind of everywhere. So if right. I'm stressed, just give me, yeah, yeah. You we know, I need it. to test this this sample over here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what did your childhood look like in Vermont? Um, who sure. are some people that had big impact on you during those early years? And uh, during that time, what'd you do fun as a kid? Sure. I I mean, Vermont uh, is a pretty uh, idyllic place to grow up. Uh, Really easy to to be a kid. Um, I was a big horseback rider growing up. uh, So I actually did a lot of uh, competitive show jumping, uh, which was really great because um, it teaches you, uh, you know, you know, you're taking care of a 1200 pound animal Mm -hmm. uh, and, and learning to communicate with them as well. So it teaches you a lot of kind of uh, responsibility and empathy and, uh, you know, all those good things. Um, so, uh, you know, my riding trainers were kind of my biggest influences growing up. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just, it was a great, uh, you know, it was pre, pre, uh, Wi-Fi, a very innocent yeah, right, time. Yeah, <laughs> right, I know. Well, Vermont, what part of Vermont was it? Uh, Montpelier. Okay. Yeah, my wife said it, and I was like, I'll let her say it. 
Someone <laughs> yeah. else right. Sure. Smallest um, state capital. Do what? It's oh, the okay. Yeah, state yeah. Capital. Yeah. You know all your state capitals. I did. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, don't I don't know either. if we should go through them now. No, we should. Because <laughs> if, if, if I had to say it, I'd be really embarrassed. Um, and then did your family just have horses, or is it just something you kind of got into? Um, no, I mean, really, it was, uh, you know, one of my dad's cousins was getting married on a dude ranch, and so my parents felt like uh, my sister and I should have some lessons. I think I was five. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we just we just felt my sister and I both kind of fell in love with it. Uh, there was a, a barn, you know, not far from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just kept, kept with it. And I, you know, I, I wish I had time for horses right, right. now, but hopefully, hopefully someday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So what did life look like for you being a teenager? Were you focused on long trails, double bag and otter <laughs> creek or did that come later sure uh you know i didn't i didn't drink too much in high school okay. honestly uh but they were big influences just as far as businesses that were there you know long trail uh magic hat otter creek uh they were some of the first uh craft breweries really in the country okay um and so just having that that business influence there um just normalized craft mm-hmm. beer in a way that you mm. didn't really realize that they were on the forefront. And of this. this was like in what? what uh, like I graduated high school in 2000. Um, okay. I, th- I think they all opened in the late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Um, okay. So, but you know, by the time, um, you know, I started drinking, they'd been around for a while. Um, and they, uh, um, yeah, they were, you just got used to having those types of businesses around. Yeah. And so, you know, when I, you know, did start, uh, you know, drinking in, in college, uh, you got, uh, uh, that, that was kind of where you went to, where you gravitated to naturally. Um, so I was really always, um, more of a fan of craft beer than, uh, you know, what most college kids are drinking. I I drank that stuff too, but you know, I learned the difference. (laughs) Were you into sports or I'm I'm, I'm assuming based on, you know, some of the other stuff we'll talk about, you were probably pretty heavy in the school, too. I was, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I, I don't know, it just worked out well for me, I guess. We had a great, you know, Montpelier had a great public school system. Um, I had some really wonderful teachers that helped me, um, that helped me want to, want, <laughs> no, you're good. Oh, it's actually moving up. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So, no, yeah. some teachers. Yeah, I had uh, just some really wonderful teachers um, from from the very beginning and, and through high school that, you know, made me, uh, you know, really want to learn. And again, uh, I, I traveled probably at least four months of the year uh, riding horses. Okay. Um, so uh, we spent, let's see, probably January through mid-March uh-huh. in uh, actually south of Florida. Uh that was where the big uh, right. show I've was. I've seen some of the farms and stuff. Yeah, there. yeah. We were in uh, Wellington, Florida, um, kind of throughout high school. Uh, I, again, I'm, I have an older sister, so I kind of got the lucky end because she didn't really get to start doing those bigger levels till she was older, but they had to bring me along <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, um, so I got to, to do that. Um, and, yeah, I played um, I, I played lacrosse in high school as okay. well. Um, you know, uh, it was, you know, when, when I was traveling, 
it was my teachers would fax me assignments, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, fax them back. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it was uh, a really um, it was a fun. Upbringing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah neat cool. experience. Did you just go to Florida, or did you, did you, because it was races, right? Uh, it was show and, jumping. Okay, show jumping. Um, so we were in in the winter in Florida, and then in the summer traveling all around the Northeast. So it was a little different in that I wasn't really, you know, hanging at the pool with my mm-hmm. friends and stuff. Um, but uh, I still managed to have you know close friends from yeah. from growing up. Uh, it was just. They were always like, "You're gone all the time." <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool though. You got to experience some of the some of what the world or the U.S. had to offer. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, all right. So, as you were preparing to exit high school, what plans were you making? How did you decide on what college to attend? Sure. Um, I was really interested in human evolution growing up. Um, again, I had a really wonderful uh, biology teacher in high school. Um, and then my senior year did kind of an independent study on human evolution and really, you know, kind of fancied myself a, a Jane Goodall type. Uh, and cause I mean, she was just my, you know, she's so cool and was my hero. And, um, so I, I ended up going to Harvard, uh, because there was a, basically a human evolution major, uh, called biological anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I also had family from Boston. Uh, that's where my dad's side of the family is from. So, uh, you know, I'd gr- grown up going to Boston and, and loved the city mm-hmm. and, um, you know, had a very, uh, you know, romantic idea of what going to school at Harvard would be like, uh, yeah. which was, you know, some true, some not. <laughs> right. Right. Did you, uh, did you have a car? Did you uh, did you have a car while you were in Boston, or were you able to? Uh, no, no, okay. I don't. Um, I guess after I graduated college, I did, but during college, you really don't need yeah. a car in Boston. Well, that's what I we I, we went up there for the uh, for my fortieth. Oh, cool! I loved it because we just we flew in uh-huh. and we didn't step foot and drive in driving a car for three days. No took the subway everywhere. Yeah, um, it was pretty neat. Like, I, yeah, I really I like the city. Cool. We went we went to Cape Cod. Nice. That was like our first baby moon, okay. I believe. Yeah. Well, it was the baby moon of, hey, let's have a kid. Then we ended up having right. another baby moon because it took so long. <laughs> but uh, but we went to Cape Cod, and then we did a day trip to Boston. Oh, fun. And we actually did the whole Freedom Trail in a day. Did you? I mean, so we, you fun. know, obviously, yeah, we, walked, we didn't read up. all the yeah. stuff, you know. Right. But it was just, yeah, it's really neat. So on my 40th, it was like, she really went up from New York. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, all right, let's do Boston. You know, yeah. Lower key and you get yeah, it's such a walkable of, yeah. city, and it's so, I just so love the history. buildings and mm-hmm. the, you know everything about it. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so when when you think about sipping on your favorite beer, uh-huh. with some people that have had a big impact in your life, who comes to mind that you would want to hang out with, and tell them thanks for making a positive impact in your life? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That is such a big question. Um, my mom, definitely my mom. Um, even she's not the biggest beer drinker, but she drinks Jackalope beer. Um, let's see. Uh, probably some of my, yeah, some of my my husband. Probably him. Yeah. Uh, he's been such a a, a great su- supporter. We met um, a couple years after the brewery opened, but. Uh, you know, when I was still really, really in the trenches of startup life, and mm-hmm. uh, he's been 
you know, such such an amazing support. Um, it's uh, a good question. Probably uh, my my friend uh, Maggie, who uh, she's we we're you know best friends from college, and mm-hmm. uh, we both have kind of al- alternate uh, careers. She's a she's a novelist. Um, and so just a lot of the people who, I guess, normalized, um, normalized wanting to do something a little bit different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and, and supported me kind of through that yeah. quest. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause the first thing you said was your mom uh-huh. and I was listening to a podcast the other day and they talked about, you know, they just made the statement of how many people I want to say thanks to my mom uh-huh. and I'm like, well, how about the dad, you know? <laughs> And, you know, and they were, of course, talking about the nurturing thing, but, but it, it was just an interesting thought because, you know, like, I mean, I would have to say my mom, too, mm-hmm. because my parents divorced when they were four, and mm-hmm. my dad dealt with alcoholics a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is kind of sad when you think, you know, like, I, I feel that I should be leading my kids, and, right? you know, teaching them stuff, and, you know, I sure hope that, you know, they're able to say Thanks, Dad. And that's what I'm yeah. working on—that patience and grace stuff. Totally, you know? totally. Um, but, anyways, I just so I actually have two weeks, uh-huh. and it'll be a year since I've drank anything. Oh wow! So part of uh, we just bought a house, and part okay. of our negotiation, I, I was throwing everything out there to try to convince her to move. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, look, this is how bad I want this house. I won't drink for a year. <laughs> and she took me up on it. That's so funny. And actually, yeah, there's a thing back there. Don't bump your head on that. Oh yeah. Um. And so, and it hadn't been too bad because yeah. I'm more of a social drinker. Mm-hmm. With and social, social year. Yeah. And then I was so focused on getting our house ready to sell and buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, although I would have some, uh, some competitors, uh, a Yazoo. Uh-huh. And I would drink it, you know, a couple of those while I was doing actually projects and doing this. Yeah. So I did joke that if I was drinking over the last year, I'd probably be an alcoholic because uh-huh. I've done so many projects. Right, right. <laughs> But, um, but anyways, yeah. So, you know, it was like, yeah, dad, when he drank Budweiser, it was, it was good. Uh Don't mess with the, and tequila. Oh my gosh. That was a, you better run. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I love about beer is that kind of social aspect of mm -hmm. it, um, that it is a social beverage and a lot of, um, yeah, you think of it and you think of sitting down with friends and, and enjoying it together um it's more about the the journey than the destination right exactly right um well and actually uh, thinking about that like as far as um craft beers because obviously they're more expensive than a budweiser Mm -hmm. um do y'all find like older crowds drink it or college or because i couldn't afford it in college yeah yeah i i uh I agree. Again, I, I liked drinking it in college, but I drank a lot of <laughs> not, you know, what I could afford. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, but, but we do see, we do see a range. Um, you know, there's older people, um, you know, 2020 aside, we usually will have a lot of bachelor and bachelorette parties. Right, right. Um, so, like, with the younger crowd, it tends to be um, more of a special event for them. Okay, um, right, right. And then... But then, like, a lot of people kind of my age who are, uh, you know, a, a, a brewery tap room tends to be, like, a socially acceptable bar to bring your children during right, the day. So right. you see a lot of um, 
a lot of kind of young parents, you yeah. know, being able to socialize and, and have a beer. And, yeah. Um, so it's a pretty broad range um, of, of right. people. Okay. All right. So Sorry. shout out to your favorite restaurant and favorite nonprofit and why. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, well, my husband is a chef. Okay. Uh, he works at Taylor right now, uh, and t so I mean, t and Taylor is an amazing restaurant. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with know. them. Well, I've heard of it. Um, I'm assuming it's on Taylor in Germantown. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's a kind of dinner party style, uh, Indian Southern okay. fusion restaurant. Yeah. My wife and I tried um, Saint Saint something over there. On the corner. St. Stephen's. Yeah. It's in the same building. Okay. So it's okay. in the back of that building. Gotcha. Uh, the, the owner chef's name is Vivek Surti. Uh, okay. It's, I, I really, I really recommend it. Uh, mm -hmm. And, but you have to, you buy your kind of tickets online ahead of time. The idea okay. is that you're minimizing the transactional side of things. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you, as far as now with COVID going on or no, in general, it's been that okay, way, general. so okay. that it was more it, again they've had to put in changes like everybody yeah. else but um they were really doing it to try to make it your experience there more like going to somebody's dinner party okay. like uh vivek comes out um they do two right now they do one seating a night but usually they do two oh wow a night. Okay. Oh, okay um and he explains kind of every course and and every course has a interesting story. yeah okay yeah, cool. I did not know that. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So, favorite nonprofit? Nonprofit uh, would probably be the Land Trust for Tennessee. Um, okay. Just because I have a really close relationship with them, um, I did. Um, I did a fellowship with them when I graduated uh, from Vanderbilt Law School, um, and we grow hops at their Glen Levin farm. Uh, I actually got married at Glen Levin farm. Uh, so I have a very close relationship with the land trust, and I think um, the, the work that they do to preserve our open spaces is also really important. And where's well. that at? Um, so they used to have their office at Cummins Station, but they okay. just moved it to Glen Levin Farm, which is uh, just on 8th Avenue, basically right after it turns into Franklin Road. Or okay, Park, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of just past the Thompson turn. Okay. Um, and it's it's really cool. It's a sixty-five acre farm that you would never know is there. Ah, yeah, I was about to say that. Wow. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, so a Harvard degree mm -hmm. and law school grad turned uh -huh. brewer. Yes. <laughs> How did that happen? And what did your friends and family have to say about that? Um, well, I uh, I started home brewing. You know, I, again, I was interested in in the environment and in in uh, that's where I came to law school was, was to go to environmental law or into environmental law. Um, and then, um, I moved down here is 2006. Um, so again, you know, at that point was really used to a lot of craft breweries around and we just didn't have very mm -hmm. much, even, even from other places being brought in here. Um, I remember after I graduated law school at some point, it was like really exciting um, that you could buy fat tire here, mm -hmm. you know, like that was a huge deal. Um, and, uh, so I just, I started homebrewing in law school, uh, and just really fell in love with it and, um, thought 
the idea, you know, I, I wanted to be an environmental lawyer to, to you know, make, it, make an impact. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, here's a way, you know, starting my own business is a way I could make an impact mm -hmm. um, differently than, than I thought would right. be kind of my path. So um, it's, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, everybody supported it? Um, I think pe people were cautiously supportive. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, me too. Because a lot of law students, you know, say, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do right. something else. Right. Um, so I think people didn't maybe take me super seriously at uh -huh. first. But then um, it was at least probably half of law school. Uh, yeah, it was during my second okay. year that I really started ramping it up. So. Uh, yeah, it was half of law school that I was really focused on it, and um, people, yeah, I think everyone was cautiously supportive, and then when it actually took off, we're like, dang, she did it. <laughs> right, right. So do you think, um, because did your law degree um, have any tie to undergrad? Were they... um, not really. I, yeah, again, because I majored in biological anthropology, right. uh, but again, was was interested in kind of evolution and uh animal conservation okay. uh, those types of things and so that kind of led into environmental law um but i, I took two years off in between uh college and, okay. and grad, grad school so do you think you always had like an entrepreneur mind like was yes. there independence you know i there? think yeah i think um so my, my parents uh, started a radio station uh, in, in Vermont. They, uh, it was the, the first FM station in, in Montpelier uh, in the mid-70s. Uh, and so I grew up around very entrepreneurial people. Um, you know, the, the question of, like, what do your parents do? It was always a longer response for me than, like, a teacher, a doctor, right, you know? Right, right. Um, and so I never... I would say growing up, I was never like, I want to be a this, right. you know, that didn't, um, I didn't see that. And so it was more about wanting to be, uh, an active part of the community, um, than, than anything else. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, yeah. Cause I, when I was reading, which I had read your bio before when I read it again, you know, and I was like, Oh, that'd be fun. And my wife, so she's, she's all, you know, she's like, how did you word that question? She's like, Keep it positive, like because so, you know, <laughs> right. don't, don't be like, were they were the fa were the family disappointed right. anyway because of money, you know? And I'm yeah, like, totally. and I, I'm like going, okay, babe, I, I'm good, I'm good, right, totally. Uh, but I mean, it was it's just interesting even to read that because as I've interviewed, you know, different people and especially, and most are entrepreneurs. I mean, mm -hmm. musicians or you know, coaches, whatever. Basically, everybody fits into that mold, uh -huh. and you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, one their parents steered them away, but they had a, a desire for this uh -huh. or like I interviewed a, actually a chef and, oh, cool. and she's like, all right, I want to go to, um, what's, what's cooking school called culinary. CIA, and, yeah. um, and her dad's like, no, you gotta go, go to college. So she goes, gets her four year degree. Okay. What do you want to do now? I want to go to culinary school. Right. And she didn't, she ended up working in the industry and learned it. And mm -hmm. now she's a chef here. Yeah. Cool. Um, but it was just funny. Cause I'm like, so, you know, did you finally tell your parents like see you wasted all this money why right. didn't you just let me do you well, know I, no i think because i didn't know right in your case it was kind different. of part like if i had never come here to go to law school I, I probably wouldn't have started brewing you know so it was really all part of the the journey and i think 
a and way he, that people did take me seriously was like, well, she did just right. pass the bar exam. So, right. like, you know. Well, and I mean, and even like the experience, I can imagine, you know, Harvard in Boston, you know, right. and then even Vandy in mm-hmm. Nashville, you know, like even though Nashville is kind of starting to come up then. But, you know, those are just fun experiences in right. themselves. And right. Then you come here and, and you're meeting all these people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like you said, even like being in real estate sometimes, like, you know, I mean, anybody can get a degree. Right. Um, and it's always nice to go, well, I do have a degree, a business right. degree, you know, even though I'm like, man, do you really need to go to college to get a business degree? Right, right, right. Nowadays, you know, there's yeah. so much stuff out there. But totally. it does give you a confidence of like, one, I have something to lean on if I ever need right. to you know. Yeah, yeah, and it was definitely, uh, it, it, it was good that I, you know, I, I definitely did use, especially when we were getting started, Yeah, just yeah. even, like, filing our articles of organization right, and stuff like right. that, you know, it was useful to have gone to law school, and, yeah, um, yeah, I don't, people were like, do you regret it? I'm like, right. no, and, and I had a great time in law school, mm-hmm. probably a much better time than my friends who wanted to be lawyers. Right, right. There's a little less pressure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, that's, yeah, for sure. Um, so how'd you come up with the name Jackalope? Um, well, I believed in Jackalopes growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the, the horseback riding trainer, uh, she had uh, some stuffed Jackalopes on her on her wall, and she would kind of tell me they lived in Montana and they were nocturnal. And then um, I was uh, voted most gullible in my eighth grade superlative. <laughs> so uh, uh, I just was like, cool, great. Um, and so it kind of became a joke with my friends. And then uh, a friend gave me a, a jackalope, or excuse me, a t-shirt with a jackalope on it that says, believe in yourself. So uh-huh. uh, when I was you know, going to graduate law school and uh, do something that most people were questioning, yeah, it was yeah, like, believe yeah. in yourself. So uh, that's really where, where it came from. And um, now, you know, all of our beers are named after kind of folklore or legendary characters. So okay. it's fun. Um kind of continuance of yeah it. well and so i'm gonna ask the question because i don't know like is jackalope a real thing or not um <laughs> well <laughs> if you're asking me uh they're they're a mythical creature okay uh, okay they're uh half jackrabbit half antelope okay um but you know some of us think they could be well yeah there. i had some in my backyard the exactly other day. <laughs> exactly i saw one okay that's funny uh all right, so when you think about the business you own, what excites you about it? Sure. Um, a lot. I mean, I think uh, the, the beer. I think I'm really happy with the beer that we're putting out. Um, one of the silver linings of uh, COVID has been, and, and, you know, losing, you know, 50% of our business <laughs> has been yeah. having wow. uh, a little bit more time um, to... Uh, to do more experimental brews that we we ordinarily wouldn't have time to do in the summer. So, okay. uh, you know, we've been wanting to kind of start this limited release program. It was just really hard to take a beat and mm-hmm. figure out how it was going to work in our schedule. And so that's what we've really been focusing on. So uh, we've done, I think, 18 or 19 uh, limited releases since COVID started in March. Um, and that's been... Um, really fun and and we now you know have it in our in our production to the point that we're going to be able to keep doing them and so um we've got at least 10 more through the end of the year planned um so i'm really uh really excited about the beer that we're putting out um and then you know it's the the people um i love the 
the the people that I work with. You know, usually I'm also really excited about the customer side of things, mm-hmm. but we're all keeping our distances right now. Um, but you know, it, beer in a way you're, you're kind of an entertainer, you know, mm-hmm. you're not doing a song and a dance, but you're trying, you're, you know, trying to enhance somebody's day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's always a really, uh, special thing to be able to do. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. And then also just kind of being a part of, of Nashville. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's fun to be part of the Nashville, um, business community mm-hmm. and, uh, it's such a growing and dynamic community. Yeah. 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 yeah, I guess that is pretty cool. Just with, you know, before COVID, like you said, mm-hmm. summer, you really just had to do what was normal. Mm-hmm. But just this kind of gave you a time to step back and go, hey, let's try some new stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, that would be kind of cool, especially if you enjoy coming yeah. up with a new, you know, a new recipe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about coming up with recipes? Is it? Um, it uh, we kind of have two ways that I feel like or how I, I and, and a lot of our team focus on it. Um, I'm kind of, historically, I write almost all the recipes for Jackalope. I'm, uh, our, our team is really uh, growing and, and, and maturing, and I'm, and I'm trying to uh, let some of the other folks write recipes now, mm-hmm. now too, uh, which is, uh, again, kind of enriching for all of us, I think. Um, but typically for me uh you know it's either oh this is a style i really want to try so here are the ingredients that i'm going to put in to create what i think would be a great example of this style Mm -hmm. or hey this is an ingredient i really want to work with this i think it would translate well into this so Mm -hmm. it's either you start with the style and kind of build it around that or start with one usually for me would be like one specific ingredient and then build a beer around that so ingredient. like now would be something do you do anything pumpkin uh we do one with chai so okay. it's got a lot oh, of the same cool. spices yeah. um but it uh it's not pumpkin we've yeah we've done a pumpkin in the past um with real pumpkin in it and i think it just it was our first year open it scar- yeah. scarred me for life yeah <laughs> <laughs> plus you didn't want to do what everybody else is doing right because yeah. it's, it's like pumpkin right um and then, it, so whenever you're, like, say this year, you've tried 18 mm-hmm. new, new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about, all right, we're keeping this one, this one. Do you... um, I think a lot of it is on people's responses mm-hmm. to them. Um, some of them have been just totally knocked out of the park um, as far as consumer response. Um, and so those will probably be the ones that we'll bring back uh, next year. And then we'll just keep, you know, the, the goal is to kind of bring bring the greatest hits back and then mm-hmm. keep coming up with new more new stuff every year so mm-hmm. yeah and then, and then how about uh kind of uh a brief summary of the difference between like an ipa or a, um, a darker sure sure or, mm-hmm. yeah. so there's there's four ingredients in beer which makes it really simple uh water uh malted barley or you know some other grains uh hops uh, and yeast and so really all four of those um determine how how it comes out even the water um so um uh like england has very hard water that's kind of where ales developed um eastern europe has very soft water that's where lagers developed um and so even the water profile is very important but kind of the the color of it tends to come from the grains that you use um so some of the grains have been roasted 
um, at the maltster, and so that's what will give you those those stouts and those darker beers. Um, uh, the grains kind of determine the color, the flavor, and the alcohol. Uh, the more grain you put into it, the more sugar you'll have, the more alcohol you'll have. Um, uh, the, the hops tend to be more on the aroma side, um, and there's tons of varieties of hops when you use them. Um, how much of them you use uh, has a big effect. That's why, you know, not all IPAs are the same. Mm -hmm. the, the style is very hop forward, but there's so many different ways you can use them and, and hops that you can use. Um, and say, you know, some, some yeasts, uh, generally most American uh, ales will use a very clean yeast, so the yeast doesn't impart a lot of flavor or aroma, but um, for like a the, those Belgian beers have a lot of spicy notes to them. Um, and then like Hefeweizens have that kind of banana and clove note to them. Uh, and that all comes from the yeast. So, um, you know, it, it is both very simple and very complex. Yeah. Right? Like there's four ingredients, a ton of uh, okay. range within those ingredients. So within the kind of the four, which is the foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Then do you put other stuff in there to add more flavor? Or... Sometimes. Okay. Um, so, uh, and that that is a, an American craft beer uh, trend more than other places um, in, in general. Uh, but, you know, like Germany has actually Sorry, beer purity laws um, that... Uh, that you can't uh, use anything other than those four essential ingredients uh -huh. that, you know, they're laxing up on that now, but, okay. um, but you know, we, in our, our bear Walker is our biggest selling beer. Uh, it's a maple Brown. So it's brewed with uh, pure Vermont maple syrup in it. Um, which I, you know, again, is kind of a, a hearkening to my upbringing. Okay. Uh, we're, you know, I know the, the people we get the maple syrup from. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, our Lovebird, which is our really popular uh, summer seasonal, uh, we do a secondary fermentation with strawberries and raspberries. Um, so sometimes you'll add more things, and and more often than not, you don't. More often than not, it's um, it's just variations of those four. And it's just knowing where you get the yeast, who from, who you get the mm -hmm. hops from, and mm -hmm. then yeah, yeah, and and yeah, we have kind of different suppliers for each one. Um, and uh, it, it's, you know, it's a very living, breathing uh, thing. You know, there's different crop years for your mm -hmm. hops. So, you know, 2019 might taste different from 2020. Um, uh, you know, yeast, yeast is super alive. And so, uh, you know, we, we, a, big, a big part of what we need to do is try to create something repeatable mm -hmm. using these kind of dynamic right. ingredients. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just really interesting, you know, when you look at beer and same thing with wine or mm -hmm. food, how much really goes into what you don't, what I would not give a whole lot of thought to. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like whenever I uh, interviewed Christian Spears, mm -hmm. Brew Works, mm -hmm. you know, he had like four beers and he would, er, every one of them had a story. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know if some of your, you know, some of your uh, breweries or styles, what do you call them? Recipes? What do you, what? Like yeah, when you brews, new, recipes. Okay, brews. Yeah. Um, you know, do they have some of them have stories as well? Like all of them, okay. pretty much all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, um, a lot of it when you start as a home brewer and then kind of yeah. work through it. And I think that's one of the things that really speaks to people, um, about craft beer is 
uh, part of why you drink craft beer is to feel connected to right. it. Um, and uh, there's an authenticity to this uh, to this industry. So when you give tours, do you kind of tell the story behind each of the beer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we do. Yeah. That's cool. Well, it's kind of like when I went to a, a I went to a songwriter night, and I don't listen to a whole lot of country. Uh-huh. But when you sit there and you listen to the songwriters tell the stories uh-huh. behind all the songs, it actually makes you want to listen to the songs more because yeah. you know it's not just some you know some basic country song. Right. There's a lot of meaning behind. Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. It's always so interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Pretty neat. It actually, uh, Natalie's like, you're counting down the days, aren't you? I'm like, no, not really, but kind of. Yeah. 15, so I got it. Yeah, you're like, I got ah. All right, so um, what are the stats on craft beers compared to, say, the 90s? Um, as in, yeah. how much bigger of an industry is it now? What helped it grow so much? kind of makes me think, like in college, it was, well, my mom had a convenience store. Uh-huh. And, you know, we had the 40 ounces and stuff. I used to stock them. Yep. And then, then we got the... Uh, ice house mm-hmm. lighthouse mm-hmm. and it was like five and a half percent or something yeah there. um and then you know in college i just drank whatever that uh-huh. ice oh well i think it was bud light um and then actually because my wife and i were going to get married i was engaged and the fact that my dad was alcoholic i actually didn't drink mm-hmm. so for seven years i did oh wow so actually probably during the stint so i graduated college in 2000 so i probably okay. stopped 2000 to 2007 or 8 okay. Um, I guess they were kind of getting more popular, but maybe yes. not because even yeah, you said definitely. you came here in oh, 2006. Right. And so there wasn't a whole lot here, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like it makes me think about coffee. You yeah. Know, we went to college at University of Arkansas. And okay. I mean, the coffee scene was nothing like it is. Right. Right. Everywhere now. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, it's just interesting to think how much it has evolved uh-huh. over, you know, the yes. since then. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't get the exact numbers right, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, craft beer was, I mean, was probably 5% of the market around 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think it's closer to 15. Again, those numbers are not going to be quite right, <laughs> but right, it's going right, to be right. roughly, roughly yeah. right. Um, I, I listen. I listen to Dax Shepard's podcast, and okay. like my favorite part is they do a fact check at the end, and just uh-huh. all the things that he says are like right, all right. wrong. Um, but uh, you know, it was um, uh, it, it's grown quite a bit, um, and you know, there were when we opened in 2011, there were probably about 2,000 craft breweries in the country. Uh, and there's like 7,000 now. Mm. Um, and you know, the first craft breweries opened in the late sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were 50 breweries total in the eighties. So mm-hmm. it was really, really small, um, a teeny, teeny part of the market and has been growing. You know, one of the things they talk about, uh, is, uh, beer being, you know, a recession proof, business so you know in in 2008 2009 when the a lot of the country kind of slowed down for a little bit um beer did not Mm -hmm. um it because it's it's in the kind of affordable luxury realm of things Mm -hmm. um so you know the difference between a mass-produced beer and a craft beer is a couple of bucks so it's not um it, it, it didn't really slow down that industry, the industry at that point. Now, 
craft beer is not a pandemic proof right uh, right uh, yeah what you can't get out right exactly you know i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of stats and stories kind of that you'll see out there about how beer has been rising so much uh during the pandemic and, and that's beer sales in grocery stores right uh, right so most craft be- breweries you know you do your highest margin business at, on site mm-hmm. and it's we all you know sell more draft beer than than anything else so okay. uh where maybe beer as an entire segment has has shown some growth in grocery stores craft breweries have been hit very hard mm. um by this pandemic yeah mm. It's sad to think about how many things have been hit hard, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, I had a thought. I don't know. Well, it'll come back to me. Um, <laughs> what are a few struggles you would share in your in your personal life or business, and how did you overcome it? That's a good... These are, these are like thinker questions. Okay. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> uh, um... Well, I mean, I think on the business side of things, um, certainly, you know, in the startup phase, um, learning how to adapt. So you spend all this time writing a business plan. You've got this beautiful, shiny business plan, which is very important to do. But then quickly reality sets in and everything's different than what you what you said. And I think learning to adapt to that um, and learning that you're going to be adapting forever mm-hmm. <laughs> is really important. So, you know, in, uh, when we were first starting up, our original facility uh, is on 8th Avenue, about a mile and a half from here. Um, and our, you know, it was like our equipment was six months late in arriving. Um, you know, we we our build out was done. We had all of our permits. We just didn't have what you know the equipment to to brew beer and 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 um you know we ended up buying a a one keg at a time brew system um we that we brewed on 160 times in six months um and so you know our 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 real equipment for over there was uh 15 barrels so it would be 30 kegs at a time Mm -hmm. um and so we had brewing on that system for six months we had enough beer for our tap room to be open on Friday for four hours. And that's what we did. <laughs> like, and you were ready to be open all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah I mean, we were paying rent. We were like, Jolly. we were all set up. But I bet there was some rough conversations with that supplier. It right? was very. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, it was very tough um, to go through that. But at the same time, we learned so much. And, you know, we were able to test our beers out on people in a much smaller uh, right. kind of circle um and but it, it was crazy because you would brew beer all day and then you'd go bartend i mean it was it was everything um for those first couple of <coughs> years there was no real uh life outside the the business and um you know that's something i'm still trying to figure mm-hmm. out and especially you know with a with a uh toddler you know uh you, i feel like once you have a kid uh, you just feel like you're you don't have enough of yourself or your time mm-hmm. for anybody. So that's definitely kind of um, the adjustment that I've been working on uh, this year. And clearly this year, everything is extra hard, um, but just trying to um, 
I, I guess you've got to try to be kind to yourself uh, mm-hmm. and just figure your way through it and, uh, uh, you know, not feel, try not to feel too guilty when mm-hmm. you don't have enough time for right. anybody. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think maybe that's why the movie Frozen was so applicable for a kid's movie. Because uh-huh. many parents need to sing, let it go, let yeah. it, many things in their life. You know? Let it go, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Well, one, let the guilt go, but then sometimes, you know, uh, wanting, even probably being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, this is your baby. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you've kind of let let some other people yep. incorporate recipe and like, you know, let it right. go. And that's okay. You yeah. know, again, it's part of the growing experience. Um, you can't be everything to everybody all the time. So, um, again, in the beginning, that's what that's what I was, and so right. it's hard to, um, sh- you know, learn to share in that a little bit. Yeah, it's like you kind of, because I, I think about even our, our front yard, Bryce, my oldest, will mow it. Uh-huh. Well, he gets on that mower, and he's just flying through there, and I'm like, it's never as good as when uh-huh. I do it. Yeah. But then I'll have to, and I'll get frustrated. I'm like, dude, you got to take more time. So I'm trying to teach him, uh-huh. but at the same time, I could be a perfectionist in right. that and going, all right, what's more important, a perfect yard or to have more time to do something? Right. You know? So, yeah, hopefully as we get older and wiser, we that comes naturally yeah. as well that we can't control everything right we you know right. it's a yard it's grass uh-huh. who cares exactly you know? exactly big um, learning big learning curve anything personal um can't fall off a horse anything. break a leg or anything oh plenty of that did yeah. you i would just uh, fall off horses well i i broke i fell off and broke an arm got a concussion uh and again, now looking at that stuff from a parent perspective, I'm like, God, my mom must have been losing her freaking yeah. mind. <laughs> she must have been so mad that we were out there on these animals, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, you're, you're feeling so invincible. Um, but I think, uh, I think all of it is just trying to figure out that kind of balance, yeah. balance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I'm someone, uh, uh, I who used to be a really big extrovert, and I feel like as I grow older, I'm turning more and more into an introvert. But I also need to okay. re- remind myself, or I, I maybe I forget that I'm an extrovert mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, they talk about like what recharges your batteries, and definitely being around people mm-hmm. does. Um, but sometimes I forget that in a right. way. You know, it's like needing to remember. Um, to, to make time right for, for that and this covid definitely makes you it may like I, yeah. I remember just when i went out to starbucks to work one day uh-huh. and i've told the story a few times on the podcast but i go and and i was so busy doing projects around the house that uh-huh. i didn't i mean not a whole lot changed for me and mm-hmm. it was kind of good because i was guilt-free doing projects right. you know but then when i went to starbucks to sit down and there was a group of um loud talking people that played dominoes and stuff and they uh-huh. usually were quite annoying uh-huh. but when i went in and i saw them i wanted to go give them a hug right because i realized in the moment i'm like i really miss this exactly you know? totally um, totally and you could be just in your business just so focused but re- but then forgetting that oh, yeah i gotta unplug from this and go charge right. back up you know yeah well it, yeah it's just been you know between you know be you know being pregnant and running a brewery is a strange time and then uh then you know having a baby it was like i was just starting to get back into the swing of things yeah um you know my baby was nine months old i feel like i was coming out of the haze a little bit and then suddenly uh you know the pandemic hit and 
uh, it's just, it's been a couple of years since I've felt like myself now. Yeah, you know? right, <laughs> like, right. It's, uh, so and it's I'm still not back to normal, to exactly. normal right? Exactly. Um, what's interesting, I was just thinking about when you said about, you know, when we were kids, the things we did, even like when I would go run the streets on my bike and stuff, mm-hmm. And we look at it now and we go, oh my gosh, my mom was crazy. When it's like, what were they? Right. Like, are we too much more educated on exactly. all the fears of everything? Right. And, Just the 24-hour so, news cycle. Yeah. And so scared. we want to hover versus going, hold on. No, we got, like, because in 10 years, what are our kids going to say? They're going to be even more so, because heck. I know. I, I, was, I was like, hey, I don't care if you pay for my school. You don't, uh-huh. I don't have to, you don't have to tell me anything to do, uh-huh. you know? And I still had a lot of freedom when I think about even our kids. And yeah. I try to give them freedom. But yeah. it's just an interesting thought, isn't it? That I, finding it that balance again. It, yeah, again. And, and <clears throat> like now thinking back, I'm like, man, I was five years old and riding horses and, you know, just walking to the barn from school by myself. You know, all these things that I'm like, that was felt very normal and fine. And like my mom is uh, a pretty protective person. Yeah. You know? she's, she's, she's real type A. And she was still letting me do that. And, um, you know, part of me is like, was it Vermont versus living in a city? Or, right. Because, you know, we, you know, again, Montpelier has 8,000 people in it. You're in a very rural place. And so I never, but I'm like, no, I think it's just a generational change. And I think it's a uh, social media. Uh-huh. It is a news because a you see all this stuff. The... That, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I remember this is funny. So we had our first kid mm-hmm. and we were about three or four months into it and he wasn't sleeping. Uh-huh. I'm tired. Natalie's about to lose it. Yeah. And honestly, I'm like, I could see how if you weren't in your right mind, uh-huh. how you could lose it, totally. you know? And, totally. and so I remember just going, all right, the kid's been fed. Uh-huh. He, everything he's diaper, three boys. They never cared about their diaper. Uh-huh. I mean, even Hudson, he'll still have a pull up on. I'm like, dude, <laughs> go take it off you know he, he'd literally rather just right. pee in it you right know? totally so they never cried because of that but so i was like he just needs to sleep he just yeah. needs to cry a little bit yeah, right totally and so and then you know there's different parenting uh-huh. styles um well we put him down and he cried for like five minutes you know oh yeah. god we felt bad because we never let him cry right right well then we start reading you know mm-hmm. blah oh no you shouldn't do that you kids should never cry and all this kind of stuff. And then we had some friends that, that turned us on to um, Baby Wise. Have you ever uh-huh, heard it? Uh-huh. And it was like, we I read it and I'm like, oh my God, this is us. Right. Like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. You know? We never got super structured, but no. yeah. it gave us the freedom to realize that if your kid cries, right. like it'll be okay. Right. And, yeah. and we went through it about a week. Man, he slept through the night. Yeah. So... But because I jumped online, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I felt so guilty. Like, yeah. oh, we're terrible parents. So, I know. The worst. And, and the wisdom, mm-hmm. even before any of that, was kind of there of going, hold on, man, it, he's right. six months and he's trying to tell us what he needs. Right. Aren't we parents? Right. I don't know, you know? Yeah, I know. It's, again, like being a, being a new parent and having access to Google is like the worst thing, you know, because... <laughs> You can really go down some rabbit holes that you don't need oh, to. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's that one little spot. Oh, my gosh. Right. Ambulance, can you come get right, my... Right, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I remember the day, you know, the day we brought her home, I, you know, you, you read all this stuff about what they're going to do and their, 
and it was like she hadn't pooped for 10 hours and so we called the pediatrician because uh, we were like she's supposed to poop 10 at 10 times today or whatever right, it is right. and the pediatrician was like she's fine right that's I was like oh my god i called the doctor because you hadn't pooped in 10 hours <laughs> like, right that's funny um, though and then yeah and so i mean it is just a lesson in trying to trust your instincts and let go and then also remember you know they're like again it's like he's fed he's chained you know the baby she, she's fine yeah um, well and even on that note i'm thinking because again you have different parenting styles uh-huh. and it's like you know in the end just show your kid love and eventually yes. they're gonna come yeah. as they are and i have friends that you know their kids slept with them all the time and their kids mm-hmm. are fine you know mm-hmm. so i think that's something to right we all turn into people right eventually. and we all have grace and going that our way is not always the best mm-hmm. way you know exactly it's more whatever makes you feel the most comfortable right sane and in that case we he needed some sleep um, yeah. <laughs> so uh what are some challenges in the craft beer industry what does the future look like with craft beer and uh-huh. jack Lowe brewery Sure. Well, I, yeah, you know, I mentioned the the pandemic challenges right now. I think, um, you know, another thing, it, it was starting to get, you know, fairly crowded. Again, there's been so much growth mm-hmm. and we're still such a small part of the market that, um, you know, it changed when, when we opened, it was like distributors clamoring over you to carry your beer. Well, now that kind of flopped. Um, okay where a lot of like if a brewery is trying to go into a new market there's a ton of local breweries in that market so why would they want to carry your beer um so thinking you know just having to adjust again we're still such a small part of the market you know Mm -hmm. the segment is so small that i think there's plenty of room for growth but we just all have to adjust the way that we are looking at that growth and and trying to get that um i think uh, it'll it'll be interesting, you know, that even, even without COVID, um, the kind of opening rate, I think, was going to start to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't going we weren't going to see the astronomical, you know, 800 breweries opening every right. year anymore. Um, but I think certainly uh, there's now there's competition and, and now there are some craft breweries that are still craft breweries, but are very, very big. And so, uh, you know, compared to any of the breweries in Nashville. Um, And so they are able to compete with the mass produced beers on pricing in a way that the Mm. smaller breweries can't. Um, So there's even starting to be some um, kind of delineation within craft beer in in that way a little bit. Um, And so, you know, all all of those are are definitely challenges. Um, uh, I do think, again, I do still think there's a lot of room for growth and there's a lot of consumer interest. The consumer interest in craft beer hasn't really changed. You know, you tastes change over time. Um, you know, everything a few years ago, everything was IPAs and mm-hmm. then there's the hazy IPAs, which are still very popular there for a hot minute. There were a thing called brute IPAs that um, were these kind of uh, really dry, lower alcohol IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, that that trend didn't really stick, um, but I think you know flavors change over time. But I think people's interest in uh, in craft beer is just mm-hmm. kind of still continuing to grow. And and one of I can't even remember who I heard say it first, but you know you don't people don't tend to become be craft. 
beer drinkers and then go to mass-produced beer. Mm-hmm. Right. People tend to, you know, they'll start at mass-produced beer and then right. become a craft beer drinker. And so I think a larger part of the community is doing that younger. Um, again, we're starting to see more, you know, 22-year-olds in, mm-hmm. the, in the tap room um, because it, you know, it's fun and yeah. hip. I don't know. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and so... Um, I, I do think there's still plenty of growth for craft beer. It's just going to look a little bit different. Right. Um, and and I do think it we're not go, you know we're not going to see these opening rates. Uh, you know, um, a few years ago, it made big news when a, a brewery from California called Ballast Point uh, sold uh, for a billion dollars with a B. Uh, and so, wow. Uh, which has now been shown to be an interesting case study yeah. uh um there are some some folks who say it was a, a big mistake and there's some folks who say they spent a billion dollars you know constellation brands spent a billion dollars on it uh just to, just to tank the brand basically wow really uh, for, to save um, themselves from the competition so uh, that would be insane. Yeah, there. It's wow. a really, it's a really. You, you could deep dive on, yes, on that one. Yes. But anyway, when that story broke, a lot of people were like, "I'm gonna get into Bruh. craft beer." They just sold that brewery for a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And that's not again. That's not really what you should be entering the craft right. brewing bus- right. you know, business for. Um, and it's not the story that most people are going to experience. So. Yeah. Uh, again, I think there will be a few reasons why they'll kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's like it when now that like, and I'm more of an IPA person, but mm-hmm. even like even sitting here, and the more you learn about just the different variety of what goes into the beer, it does. Like, I like black coffee. Mm-hmm. So, but I like the hops. You know, uh-huh. like the like the hoppy taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, smooth, but enough little bite. Yep. You know. But I'm like, I'd probably need to try some more darker. You know, sure. Um, because which I don't know, just to branch out a little bit well, more, you know. And I, th- I think that's a great part about going to breweries uh, because most breweries will have samplers. Again, we're not doing them right now because that's the world we live okay. in. Um, but you know, hopefully by twenty twenty one, we're doing samplers again. No, it's not. Hopefully, you are. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> Let's so, speak it into yeah, existence. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Totally, the positive mental imagery, uh, and so um, I think that is a great part about actually visiting the breweries themselves. Is, is you do tend to be able, you know, to to do to try samplers, and so you'll you know take you know you probably get some IPAs and some not. So mm-hmm. you'd you'd have some in your comfort zone and, and some right. kind of new things without having to commit <clears throat> to buying a whole pint of something. Right. I, I, it's funny because I remember I was in Colorado in Denver mm-hmm. and um, I got an IPA and you know, I'm like, Oh, what's local? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, it was one that I literally took a sip. And it was just terrible. Oh no. I mean, and you know, like a lot of IPAs, it's like they have a, you know, different taste, but like, if you mm-hmm. like it, the hops and stuff, mm-hmm. but it was just, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't finish it. You know, Interesting. I was like, and that was the only one that I've had that I was just like, Oh man, that's terrible. That's yeah. And so from like the brewer perspective, we're always like, I wish I could have tried. Like I hear that, and I'm like, I want to try it because I want to know what right. it is about it that you like. That you know, and I wanted to ask. I, like, I didn't, yeah. but I wanted to ask and be like, "What did you do to this?" You know, like what was it? So you know, and Interesting. I, I didn't. A guy was with paid for it, thankfully, <laughs> um, or else you know I'd be like, "No." Mm-hmm. All right, so 
Um, <clears throat> share with me some ways you and Jack Lowe Brewery are making the impact in Nashville. Sure. Um, well, we, we try to do a lot of things. I think one, one thing with Jack Lope, uh, that we've done since day one, uh, is, uh, work with a lot of local nonprofits. So we, we have a taproom program that has, you know, been going on again since, since the beginning, um, where we pair a different, uh, different beer with a different local nonprofit every month. And we donate 20% of the taproom okay. proceeds from that beer. So, um, I'm bad at, at keeping up because, you know, it, it grows every month, but I think we've probably donated about $75,000 at this point, um, and we've worked with dozen, dozens of, you know, probably 40 or so mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, nonprofits through that. Um, and we, you know, we'll always have a blurb about the nonprofit in the tap room and send out a newsletter. So, you know, we try to, you know, make it so... You know, we donate monetarily, but also right. maybe bring a little bit of awareness yeah, to them yeah, as I love well. It. Um, and and we do a lot of, um, you know, again nonprofit events as far as uh, stream cleanups. Um, it's not really a nonprofit, but we again pretend it's not twenty twenty. Uh, right. We, we do a, a neighborhood litter pickup here. Okay. Um, uh, called pick up for a pint where people will go and pick up trash in the neighborhood for an hour and then we give them a pint. Oh, of that's beer. cool. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. And so um, we we try to you know engage as, yeah. as much as we yeah. can um, and and be uh, you know a, a positive um, positive part of the community. I need to get on your newsletter. That'd be kind of fun to pick up for a yeah. pint. You know? Yeah, it's great. You know, it's like gives people the feel goods and then they get to right. have a beer and uh and it and it's helpful and we tend to we do uh we're we're as uh zero waste as we can be here okay. so people tend to pick it up and then we separate it into trash recycling and compost yeah and, um it, it you know is a it's a great event yeah so. cool all right so i just watched back to the future with my boys if you could oh, hop yeah in a time machine with Marty McFly and change a few things in your life or make a few tweaks, would you? Or are you happy with the choices that you that have gotten you this far in life? I, yeah, I'm really a journey person. Mm -hmm. So um, I, uh, similar similar to Back to the Future, uh, we, we just watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And so I feel like my husband and I have, you know, had those kind of silly conversations. Um, but I, yeah, I'm really a, like, if you change one thing, you'd mess up the rest. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm a very ha happy person. And so, <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's funny. Cause when I, I, when I would ask that before, then I got thinking, I'm like, well, hold on. Some people might not regret anything. Right. You know? Um, yeah. and that's how kind of, I am like, um, I mean, my wife would look more at sometimes in college and go, ah, I feel bad that we did this or that. And yeah. I'm just like. I don't know. I mean, I kind of enjoy, you know, telling some stories and experience. And right. I would manage my money different. That's the uh -huh. biggest thing that I would done. Like I worked hard. Yeah. But I would have saved more, spent less. Yes. And put myself in a better financial situation. Yeah. That's yeah, my definitely biggest. That. I yeah. I look at some of the clothes I wore in, right. you know, high school and was like, that was interesting. But None, none of that matters enough to me. To, right, right, right. But yeah, I definitely would well, have that was managed style, money though. differently. And, yeah. Uh, now, that's know. just me, though. Other people do a great job with money. Yeah. You know? Well, I think, 
I think if I had known that I was going to be starting a business where I, you know, just didn't make money for a year or so, I probably would have, uh, probably would have right. been a little smarter. But again, you know, I think, you know, l law school, I'm not a lawyer, but some of my friends from law school are the best friends I've ever had. And yeah, um, I don't, yeah. I don't regret that at all. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it's really what brought me here. So Yeah. And I'm um, sure a lot of those friends loved you because you were yeah, it was a beer, great test know? market. It's a great test market. So from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4-7, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Oh, man. These are really good questions. Um, you know, I think, uh, again, it's just trying to be po a positive impact on, on other people. Um, I hope that I've maybe left the, the world and, and some of the people in it a little better than they would have been otherwise. Uh, I hope to be a, a really good example for my daughter. I think that's a big thing, you know, having a daughter now. Um, and again, I don't think I understood uh, when I was a kid how lucky I was to have such a strong, uh, uh, very independent, unique mother. And mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I hope to be a good example for, for her as well. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, I tell you, that's the one thing, even doing interviews and hearing, you know, people as they're older and talking about their younger years mm -hmm. and it, just so many reminders of going, oh my goodness, I have, I can have such an impact on my kids. Yeah. It's kind of scary, it right? Scary. You know, like, like they're just watching everything. I know it. I mean, they are a sponge, uh -huh. you know, man, uh -huh. it's scary. All right, so real quick, the Nashville minute, uh, the Nashville real estate minute or a few. How long have you, have you lived in Nashville? Uh, let's see, fourteen years. Okay, why did you choose Nashville? Vanderbilt Law School. Wanted to do the law here. Mm -hmm. uh, what community did you land in, and why that location? Uh, well, I live kind of between Melrose and Twelve South now. Okay. Um, on Inverness, which turns into Montrose. Yes. Um, so uh, it's super convenient for. For work and it's really walkable um, and it, it's just such a fun neighborhood to be in we've got a yard but you can still get to a lot of the rest and what's that what's that area called I, I, you would call it either 12 south or Melrose okay, okay. yeah kind of but between the hubs. yeah it's like interesting that. to Google map different areas and they yeah. go plant here or there I'm like exactly um, so tell me a great memory you often share about Nashville oh well you know, I think I'm feeling really sentimental right now because uh, Justin Towns Earl is one of my favorite uh, musicians uh, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the first time I saw him play at the basement, uh, the day before I was actually in Grimey's get, getting my tickets and, and buying his record and uh, talking about it with the, the person working at Grimey's. And uh, he was actually there standing and came up and, and, and said hi you know oh, and so, cool. said something funny you know said something funny about about him and then uh you know saw the show and he was playing three nights so i actually ended up going all three nights in a row because it was just uh such a such an amazing uh talent and, and performance and um that was just such a nashville experience to be like i'm gonna go to the show oh and i'm in the record store and the guys you know right. here and and um not something that you would get in right. those places. So. Yeah. All right. So what would you look for in a good real estate agent? 
Oh man, what would I look for in a good real estate agent? Well, um, I guess someone who could really um, uh, kind of look at our lifestyle and be able to kind of project that into a living space, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, you know, see the kid and the dog and the two working parents and, and kind of sh project that into what your, uh, what your needs are. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think, uh, I mean, Nashville real estate must be, have been really interesting the past 10 yes. years. Yes. Well, it's kind of like when you talked about, oh, let's jump into the brewery business, you know, yeah. and open up kind of the same thing. And it's even, even though COVID hit, you now have a lot of people that have lost work, right. musicians and stuff. They're like. I've talked to a handful and they're like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting in real estate. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, the same thing. It'll probably, this will weed some out, but then again, the market's still so, so good. Strong. Yeah. That's amazing. So what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Um, what advice? That's a good question. I mean, I tell them to live in my neighborhood cause I love my neighborhood. Um, and I, I think, um, I'd tell them to support local. Like, mm. you know, I think what has made Nashville such an appealing, um, such an appealing place to live, um, are the kind of local businesses and mm -hmm. the, the unique stories. And I think supporting those as much as you can, I think, you know, if you, if you're coming from some other cities that might not have that as much as Nashville, you might not know to look for it. Right. Um, but we've, we've got a local version of almost everything here we so, know, for sure yeah and we're all friends right yeah exactly um all right so where can audience connect with you and tennessee brew works and do you have any special event I, <laughs> I did not change that <clears throat> wow where can you know what's funny is i looked through because i pulled out a couple and i looked through here and i was like well, let me make sure i don't have any that anywhere uh -huh. in there um all right so where can audience connect with you? <laughs> Where can audience connect with you and Jackalope Brewery? Any upcoming events with all the craziness? Um, well, again, we've got all these beer releases coming up. Um, I'm not sure when this is gonna air, uh, but we have we're a part of um, the the Black is Beautiful collaboration. I don't know if you've you've heard about that. I haven't. But, no. um, there's. I think 1,100 breweries in, in the country participating now. Um, and so uh, it was started by a brewery in Texas called Weathered Souls. Um, and so basically uh, any 100% of the proceeds from this beer uh, are uh, going to the Equity Alliance, uh, okay. which is a local kind of racial justice yeah, yeah, nonprofit. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, we have that coming out Thursday. Uh, but... Uh, looking, following our social media, um, particularly our at Jack Loop, oops, at Jack Loop Brew Instagram, mm -hmm. um, is really where you can find out about the releases we have coming up. Um, if you go to our website, you can sign up for our newsletter that will will have yeah. them as well. Um, and so those are kind of again where we're not really functioning in a world of events right now. Uh, we're kind of making these beer releases event like so even if people pick them up and take them home it's like it feels social in a way mm -hmm. now is there more limitation from what you can do or is this just a choice yard yeah making? we um we are considered a bar um oh. and so right now we're allowed to have so we do our, we do have some limited hours where people can sit we're open thursday through sunday again if you go to our website you can okay. see the hours uh, but we can only have 
25 people on the patio and 25 people inside. Okay. Um, so it's fair a fairly limited um, right. amount, but uh, it's, it's good to see you people. You are doing tours or you're not? No tours. Still no tours. Because of that limitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. We will. We will. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been fun. Awesome. Glad you enjoyed it. Now that you know some of the brains behind Jackalope Brewing, make sure to stop by one of their locations and grab a beer or two, maybe three. Be inspired to chase your dreams and don't settle. If you have any residential real estate questions, please reach out to me. That's what I do. I'm full-time residential real estate in the Nashville area. This market's kind of crazy, as you're probably aware, and having an experienced agent on your side is very important. I have worked for several buyers and sellers in the Nashville and surrounding areas over the last nine years. Also, if you are outside of this area and are in the need of a real estate agent, I have some great resources to find a local agent in your area to meet your real estate needs. Next week, you'll hear a great conversation I have with Mike Sill in The Rambler. He is an awesome guitarist and currently back on the road with the Jerry Douglas Band. Now turn up the volume and take a listen to Mike Seal perform in The Rambler. And as always, thanks for listening to Nashville Untold. And if you could spare a minute, please share this episode with a friend, family member, or on social media. And until next week, go be kind and make a positive impact on someone's life.